Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Every morning I wake up, I wake up to the wonderful smell of hope. Uh, Now hope is not a mistress that uh, I entertain in secret. Hope is a a fragrance in, there you go, see. The smell of hope, uh, it's a really nice smell. Uh, it smells even better on an evening when the uh, when the sun's been shining through the window and uh, kind of bringing the fragrance more out of the contents of this uh, packet. But every time I smell that, uh, it, it works as a living parable to remind me of uh, and, and make me think about the power of hope. Uh, there are two kinds of hope. Uh, I think the Bible in Romans uh, chapter 4 verse 18 when it's recording uh, a little deal about uh, about the patriarch Abraham makes this very uh, um, insightful statement that that um, uh, isolates the double nature of hope, the two kinds of hope. This is what it says: against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I see in that statement two kinds of hope that I want to just wrestle with a little bit with you um, uh, today. The the, the two kinds of hope really are this, that one, one is simply a feeble attempt to fend off fear and alleviate anxiety and uh, the truth is it doesn't. It doesn't either. Uh, that hope is the one that you'll be familiar with when I explain it to you. It's the hope when we say, I hope I'm not going to lose my job. Oh, you know, I hope my, I hope my, uh, my health's going to hold out into, it, it hold out into old age. Uh, you know, um, I hope I'll have enough to pay the mortgage. I hope my kids are not going to get into drugs or hang about with the wrong crowd. You know, that that's the kind of, if, if you listen to it, it's really uh, kind of an acknowledgement that, that within we sort of feel that at best we are one step from failure. Just one thing shifts and and we f- will find ourselves in in a place of disaster. So, so we use that phrase somehow trying to fend off fear and alleviate anxiety, but of course uh, it, it never does. It just really expresses the desperation that uh, is rooted within our psyche and that, um, that we are not able to find any real strength in. Um, uh, so, so, so the one is this feeble attempt to, to fend off fear and alleviate anxiety, which doesn't do. The, the other kind of hope is, is a desire to dwell in a state where love finds its voice. By that I mean this, that my definition of hope has become, over the years, that it's the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. 
So in contrast to the confession that we think we're just one step from failure, which is that one kind of hope, this hope is the one that is a confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. Hopelessness is, a, is an awful state. Uh, and yet we all know what that means and, and often don't know how to get ourselves out of that place of, of hope, hopelessness. See, see, true hope, true hope is like a ship's anchor. It, it reaches to a place where, or, or beyond y- your ability to see, and it lodges itself to prevent you from drifting. That's what a ship's anchor does. It will prevent you from drifting. It stops you from having your uh, direction dictated by the changing currents of life. That's why we need hope. That's why hope is important. It's why we try to get some understanding of what hope may be. And I'm trying to help you with that today. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 in the Bible says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters, and there's some biblical language, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. What, what that's really saying is that, is that hope has the ability, true hope has the ability to reach where, right to where God is. Now, again, we, I speak to a very different group. So those of you who um, want just the common narrative, conventional statement about God, Please forgive me when I widen that out because I speak to a much wider uh, group of people. Um, so, so however you define this essence of God, this being of God, um, in your spiritual journey uh, and your understanding of the divine, what it's saying is, you know, if you believe that that God's primary existence is within, then hope reaches deep down there. If you believe God's existence is within all things, it reaches there. Wherever we want to say that that where God is, and I have my own uh, very clear thoughts about that, uh, I think he's with me, in me, and as me. So it it, it encapsulates the whole thing. I do not believe he's the old man with the white beard uh, sat on a stool uh, up somewhere in the clouds, uh, but in the reality of all that he is, what we're saying is that hope connects us with the God thing. It connects us with the divine. It connects us with the source from which all life uh, and all existence and all creation. Uh, and one could say where all joy uh, um, flows from and the flow of life itself. Uh, hope is the antidote to faithful thinking. Uh, we have such a tendency to have faithful thinking uh, just about everything. You know, there are some people in the world who uh, are genuinely optimistic. There are some who have an invented optimism because they don't like the alternative. Uh, um, but uh, by and large, when we really uh, get to grips with life, uh, we all uh, drift uh, probably way too often, but understandably why into faithful thinking. Uh, Well, hope is the antidote to faithful thinking. That's the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. There's something yet to come. So how does one generate and find hope? Uh, Well, not by putting your head in the sand, 
and trying to edit out the harsh realities of life. Okay, so please nobody misunderstand me thinking that I'm giving you some kind of hyper-spiritual solution uh, by which you can put your head in the sand or, or for some of you, put your head in the clouds uh, and try to edit out the harsh realities of life or sing yourself into a situation that does not reflect the reality but at least gives you a high. You, you know what I'm saying here. So, so how does one generate and find hope? Not by putting your head in the sand and, or the clouds and trying to edit out the harsh realities of life. There is some real wisdom in the ancient text of scripture that I think is, is more honest than sometimes we were led to believe and, and sometimes interpreted in ways that that are condemning rather than uplifting. But um, in uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Roman the Roman church and in, in his letter uh, in chapter 5 he says these words not only so but we also glory in tribulations uh, or trials or sufferings sometimes that says or in other words um, we, we have to get to grips with the realities of life Th those trying issues that stretch us test us uh, sometimes confuse us and disappoint us um, because he said we have to start by first of all um, getting a hold of those things and accepting them uh, and if we begin to accept the tribulation it says that produces perseverance so we'll never have perseverance outside of acceptance and, and, and we have to accept the realities of life and sometimes the difficulties the hardships the pains of life when we accept that they are there and they are real uh, it's at that point that we can develop a, at least a perseverance to press on and to press through. And he says that perseverance then develops character. So we actually become more rounded human beings, a little more useful to ourselves and everybody else around us. Uh, and then he says, and that character then produces hope. Okay. So so how do we how do we generate find hope? Well, well. Part of it comes from first, not ignoring or dismissing the realities of life, but actually accepting and engaging with those realities, letting that produce some perseverance, some stickability, some, we've got to press through, there's got to be more than this idea. And for that to develop character, which makes us stronger in our being so that we actually have some substance to us. And out of that, then, that's where hope then comes from, because we are then bringing hope into reality, not using hope to evade reality. Uh, and then he says, I love this in verse five of Romans chapter five. Now, now hope does not disappoint uh, because the love. So there's a connection between hope and love. You keep seeing this in, in biblical text, hope and love connected. Hope does not disappoint. Now, that, there's a good word there. If, if, if I want to um, uh, know how to deal with the disappointments of life that come from the realities of those tribulations and the struggles of perseverance uh, and the tenacity of character, what I at least want to know is that when I get to a place of hope, hope is not going to disappoint. There's not going to be a disappointment in it. Uh, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So there's going to be an experience, a deeper experience of what love really is um, within the context of finding this true hope that doesn't disappoint. Um, 
hope mitigates um, or mellows disappointment. And it also has the power to eradicate it, to eradicate disappointment. It's, remember what we said, it does not disappoint. Hope doesn't do a point disappointment very well. Uh, and I'm pleased about that because uh, if that's where hope dwells and what can happen in hope, I, I'm, I'm glad to know that hope doesn't do disappointment very well, which makes me want to... Um, accept the invitation that draws me towards a hopeful existence and 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 this hope you know I've spent a lot of my life in America um on at one time living there for a for a whole year but if you take up all the rest of the time uh that I've uh, been in America I've I I have lived basically in America for 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 over 10 years if you add all the stuff together when I've been there um, and, uh, you know, of course, America's full of states and people want to know, what's your favorite state? Well, I would say to all my American friends and I would say to everybody else, my favorite state is hope. Uh, hope is the state. That's where I most want to live. The state that I most want to live is hope. I love Utah. I love Colorado. I love Nebraska. There's so many of the states I love, but this is the state I love the most. Hope is a state and it's where I want to live. The, 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 and and this, this state of hope is inseparably rooted in love. It's a good place to live. And, and it's from that point and that point alone that we can maybe just begin to conceive the working together of all things. So if we can find that state of true hope, it's, it's from that viewpoint that we can begin to conceive the working together of all things. Um, which really is another way of saying the last word. We can appreciate that the last word's not yet been spoken because now uh, we conceive, we begin to conceive that, that things are working together. Now, can we have an influence on that? Um, probably, yes, maybe hope helps that. Um, uh, but um, if, if we're going to conceive that working together of all things... Uh, that would be called integration. So I live an integrated life that that is willing to understand that that it's not just this and it's not just me and it's not just the immediate, but all things are working together, uh, and uh, and 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 that's called integration. Now, now you're probably familiar with the word integrity. We all want to live with integrity, but uh, you know, for a lot of people. Have thought, and I know there was a trend for this in America in the in the nineties, uh, that uh, integrity was doing the right thing, you know, uh, and and uh, that being the reality of who you are. And I, I understand where that comes from, but actually, integrity—the word integrity—comes from the word integration, which means that we do not separate things out into separate portions, but we understand how those in their integrated form can work for us. It's when we begin to try to separate all these things, even into right and wrong and good and evil and so on and so forth, that, that we start to get in a complicated, confused state because we then can't allow this all things working together for us. Um, so, so, so it's about integration, not separation. Okay. Uh, it's the art of living in the reality of all things without resigning oneself to one outcome. So, 
here's, here's where I have to help some of you. You see, some of you will think if I say that we have to live in the reality of all things, um, that, that we have to resign ourselves to, you know, case or or whatever will be, will be. I, I don't personally believe that's the case. I think the whole universe and creation works on much greater, much stronger laws of creation than case or or whatever will be, will be. And that um, part of our consciousness with the divine and the spirit that is within all things, by which all things exist, uh, is to understand that that creativeness, that word becoming flesh, uh, is still part of our existence and part of our legacy as human beings. Uh, so, so, so this this state of hope, this this place of integration, it's the art of living in the reality of all things without resigning oneself uh, to one outcome. It's the appreciating that all things are working together. Now. I like, again, in this book of Romans, that the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, he's got a great grasp on this. And he, he proposes this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, that we know that all things work together, and I love this, for good. All things work together for good. Can I allow that? Can I embrace that? Do I need hope in order for that to be a real state in which I live, that, that all things work together for good? Now, he said to those who love God, Now, uh, a certain viewpoint would mean that's a point of separation, but I think it's a challenge to us about loving the divine presence and the divine gift and the divine essence that is at work within all things so that we can embrace what Paul calls being called according to his purpose. We catch the purpose of that ongoing existence and the truth that all this is going somewhere because that spirit of creation is still at work. But if I lose hope, I become hopeless. And when I become hopeless, I can no longer live that in that space that, that understands integration while being accepting, uh, but also the power within there for, for the truth that the last word has not yet been spoken uh, in all of these situations. Um, Uh, And then he goes on to say in verse 37 of of Romans chapter 8, yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's the connection of that love again. And uh, who doesn't want to be more than a conqueror? Uh, uh, The the Greek is hyper-conqueror. To get beyond and above and through, uh, to come out of it um, as a winner. Um, that's, That's really what hope wants to instill the potential and possibility within us, at least to get us on the starting blocks of that journey. So is hope a state of mind? Um, I would say, yes, it is. Um, it's a state of mind. See, see um, again, in, this, in, this, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he, he addresses the little bit and, and he proposes that we have two minds. Now, now, this idea of two minds, two ways of thinking, has, um, has been a subject matter that has challenged uh, saints and philosophers uh, throughout the ages, and still does. Uh, these two minds, th- this is how Paul throws it in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. He says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, some people... Uh, have what 
I know and some would understand as a dualistic mindset, okay? Now, you can look at the Greek philosophers and uh, Plato, Aristotle, all these to, to measure that, but I'm only saying that to make me look really clever uh, rather than saintly. Incidentally, people often ask me, what's that light behind you uh, when you talk? And the truth is, it's my halo because I'm so just holy and amazing that I this halo appears on the wall and that's why when I speak to you it comes with such incredible wisdom and power. Uh, naturally it's a, it's a roof light, a Velux window that uh, has the blind partly open uh, and so it makes me at least look as I've got an halo so at least I you know I've got um, I, I can convince myself of that. <laughs> so this question that the philosophers and saints have wrestled with about the two minds uh, the, the mind that Paul calls the carnal mind or the flesh mind or the natural mind and then what he calls the spiritual mind. You know, to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Um, I think what he's, what he's wrestling with in all of these is to help us try to understand that the way in which we view a thing and process it in our minds is going to have a, a critical effect on the outcome then or the belief that develops from it and the actions that come uh, with the belief. And uh, it's also the suggestion to say that, look, you know, this acceptance of things on one level, on a natural level, if we're not careful, we only think of it in those natural terms. We don't, we don't appreciate what's going on beyond and within and above and around all things, this this dimension of spirit, this this other otherness uh, uh, that we are all within and part of and integrated and of the same nature, but our minds have to be willing to understand um, that. That's why I've talked about the fact of a, a a different consciousness is is what I would call being spiritually minded. It's a different consciousness that pulls us out of just the obsession with what we see, touch, feel, uh, taste, and, uh, and, and, and um, hear, smell, uh, and brings us into another realm that is just as real and just as powerful. So he says if we only think on that one, you know, line thing of what is going on, um, then usually it brings death. Or in other words, that's where we can come to an incredible state of hopelessness if we don't appreciate uh, the integration of all things. Spiritually minded, integrate, all things are working together. Paul suggests for good that within that we are loved uh, and that there is purpose in the whole thing. It's going somewhere and that in all that, because of that, we can be more than conquerors, which is my desire for you uh, absolutely today. Um, the all things, because it's the, the all things and the in all things. All things working together for good, but in all things, uh, we are more than conquerors. Now, now, that grasp of the all things and in all things only works when and if we have dismissed and laid to rest what I would call is the lie of separation. Um, again, not to get into the conversation of dualism, but let, let me just, rather than going down that line, let me just read you again what 
Paul writes in this letter in verse 35 of chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See, he's saying you've got you've to get rid of the lie of separation. You've got to come to the truth of integration. All things working together in all things more than conquerors. It's the integration. It's working, okay? Hope allows us to grasp that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then verse 39, not height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what I have to tell you, hope is a state of mind and it's that mind of the spirit that is life and peace But hope thrives in this kind of perfect love. If you have a, if you, if you buy into the lie of separation, you will never be able to give hope its, its full potential to, to, uh, to move into the space where it becomes the antidote to faithful thinking, where it, where it, 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 it is not just a feeble attempt to fend off fear and alleviate anxiety, but it becomes an anchor for the soul and it becomes the, the absolute confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. So, so, so height and depth, look, any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Hope thrives in that kind of perfect love. I could say hope thrives in that kind of accepted love. Now that kind of accepted love has to extend, if you keep the separation view, then it's God is out there somewhere, I'm a problem, but he kind of makes himself love me, but I'm still a problem, so I can only ever see myself as a problem. Therefore, I honestly at that point cannot believe that all things are working together for good. I have to believe that most things are working together for bad. I can't believe that in all these things I will be more than conqueror because I know that in all these things I'll be more than a failure. So I have to, hope can only thrive in that kind of perfect love, that you are perfectly loved by the divine being and that you can love yourself as not separate but being integrated with and part of and one with and together because nothing separates you from that love. If you can allow nothing to separate you from the love of, of the divine of God to you and you can allow yourself not to separate yourself from the love that you should be allowed to put towards yourself realizing that in all these things, right, all these things are working together, you're part of the togetherness, and it's all working together for good if you'll just allow it, you don't have to resign yourself just to the issues uh, without question, but you resign yourself in hope, you accept, we don't put our heads in the sand or in the clouds, we we accept, but that produces the perseverance and the character and the hope, you see where I'm coming from with this, hope thrives in that kind of perfect love you are loved you can love who you are because you're not separated from have you made mistakes yeah have I made mistakes more than I could ever imagine you know I often think that um, um, if I had to go back now I have much more inventive ways of how to do wrong things than I ever had when I was a kid doing those wrong things 
but I'm loved and, and I, I have to live in that space of love and I have to also give some space and forgiveness and grace and love to myself because hope thrives in that kind of perfect love and faith moves mountains in that kind of solid hope. See, let me finish off by just taking you one other direction. In Christianity, we began to elevate conscience over consciousness. So conscience became the thing. Now that became the thing because, because we dualistically made such a separation between us and God and us and the state that we think we should be or what we think we should be or who we think we should be and what we think we shouldn't have done and shouldn't have been etc etc you know the, the the tyranny of the shoulds um uh, we, we, we got so into that place and then the church itself latched onto that as a means of, uh, of, of controlling depression by elevating the conscience. You should feel bad about yourself. Look what you did. Remember all you should have. Your conscience should be telling you how bad you are. When actually what we needed to be doing is saying your consciousness of the goodness that is above you, in you, around you, of, of the God who is with you, is in you, and is as you, of the one who Paul says we cannot be separated from his love, of the one who Paul says that in all these things we're actually more than conquerors, if, if we can just let our hope generate our, as that state within us in the different mind, uh, we would find that instead of Christianity has elevated conscience, but spirituality and a true understanding of the nature of the divine and of God elevates consciousness, consciousness of that love and of our state within that love over conscience, which will always pull us away from that love. So it's something out there that we have to reach for rather than something that is in here, which is flowing and which is present consciousness works from a whole different mechanism to conscience and so for some of you you've got to deconstruct all that religious nonsense that made you so separated that now you can't really live in hope the only hope you have is one day i'll die and go to heaven that's not the that's not the big picture of hope hope is about now it's an anchor helps us and gives us a power in life so so let's finish off by saying this. Um, uh, here's how it works for hope. It works when we allow our consciousness of the goodness of God toward us and within us to hold its rightful place toward us and within us. It's in that state that our consciousness becomes elevated above our conscience. And it's in that place that hope grows to become the raw material from which faith fashions a word beyond. Faith will always make a substantial difference to life. Because again, the book of Hebrews, it says that faith makes substance of what we hope for. So give it some hope today to work with. We love you. We bless you. I hope you're well. We look forward to a time when we can all meet together again uh, in person and in public and uh, give each other a hug and share some kind words and uh, hopefully get on track, particularly those of us from Q, uh, fulfilling our vision of being a bridge through the questions uh, to connect people with the, uh, with the true nature 
of of God and themselves and all things. So we love you, we bless you, have a wonderful day and I'll catch up with you again some other time this week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.